Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Name the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. As we get close to the end of the Coptic year, the church in tomorrow's reading talks to us about the end of the world and the coming, the second coming of Christ. And also tomorrow is a feast of the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We, used, we celebrated them last year, it was on a Saturday. This year it's coming on a Sunday, so we're remembering the faith of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the first thing I want to tell you about the end of the year and I is that the first thing in repentance is that faith. It's really hard to repent if you don't have faith. And faith doesn't mean I believe that Christ is God. That's great. But that's not faith. That's not faith. Faith in who God is. God is our creator. That God died for us. And like St. Paul said, we're going to have to do what? Give an account for everything that we have done, whether good or evil. One day, we we'll have to remember that day. One day, we're going to stand before the throne of God to just touch and answer. What have we done? How did they think? Why didn't they forget? Why was my ego so powerful that I couldn't bring it into subjection? Why was I so profane in my joking around and my relationships and everything else? Why and why and why? We have a lot of whys that we have to answer. And God is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to ask us those questions. We have to give an answer. We have to give an account for the things that we have done. And to give you an idea of how faith and belief in God and His reality is related to repentance, Peter when he first met Christ. He met him first when Andrew introduced him. But after that, in the boat, when they did the great catch of fish, what happened when Peter saw the reality of the miracle? I told you this before recently in one of the Bible studies. That Peter got on his knees and he said, Leave me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Repentance. So once you're aware that God is real, once you're aware that Christ is for real, the next step naturally is to get on your knees and say, forgive me. Forgive me. The same thing happened under the cross. We read this on the passing on Good Friday. That many people passing by, when they saw the cross and they saw the earthquake and they saw the, the, the sky darkening, what did they do? They were terrified, but what did they do after? They beat their chest. Beat their chest. Just like a tax collector. I have sinned. What? Yes. Once you're aware who God is, the automatic response to that, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I'm sorry. That's normal. We see this also with miracles like moving of the mount of Muqattam happened. The natural response of people was not celebration. It was what? Repentance. Have mercy on us. Forgive us. That was a natural response to seeing God as a reality. Same thing we see 
when faith is linked to repentance with Rahab, the sinner, Rahab the harlot. She was bad, no doubt. But what she did was act of faith or act of repentance? It was both. Because she said, we heard about your God and what He can do. Therefore, I'm not going to be that way anymore. I'm leaving. Is that faith or repentance? It's repentance as a response to knowing that God is reality. Same thing we see, like I told you briefly recently about Naaman the Syrian. Was what he did an act of repentance or an act of faith? It's both. Knowing that God is real, he repented and came to God. And we can see this also with Thomas. When Thomas wanted to feel the nails and the sign of Christ, the spear, what did he do? When he felt the reality that Christ is real, that Christ is the true God, he got on his knees and said what? My Lord and my God. Was that an act of repentance or an act of faith? It's both. It's a faith known that Christ is real, therefore I get on my knees and ask for his mercy. Natural. So we have to have faith, true faith, in order for us to repent. The second thing that St. John Chrysostom tells us about this, do not create excuses. If you have faith, God is everywhere. God is at your work. God is at your home. God is in, your, in church. God is in your car. God is in your personal conversations. Do not say, oh, Abuna, I go to work there and the world is bad. And it doesn't work. He doesn't care. God doesn't care about those excuses. Don't say, Abuna, I go to uh, you know, this high school or that high school and the people are really bad and I'm really good compared to them. No good. You can't think like that. And St. John Chrysostom asks us, where was Adam when he fell? Was he in a bad place, in a busy place? He was in the best place in the world and he fell. Where was, where was Job when he repented? Was he in the good times or in the bad times? He was in a very bad times. So he was an ash heap. He was devastated. And this was the best time of his life when he came in true repentance and seeking God. And we have to be in this reality that wherever we're in, we have to be faithful to our God. We have to be faithful, whether it's school, work, or anything that we do. And like the fathers teach us, anything that you do, do it as if to whom? To Christ. To Christ. Meaning, if I go on somebody, I want to forgive. I would say, how many times did Christ forgive me today? hundred times? Two hundred times? How dare I not forgive my brother that they see the face of Christ over his face? I have to forgive. I have to love. Christ loves him equally. So we have to have this mentality everywhere we go. We cannot create excuses. The second thing about repentance I want to tell you is that we have to trust in God's mercy. We have to trust in God's mercy. The beautiful psalm that we hear about, and by the way, the poster child for that is whom? The tax collector. He trusted in God's mercy. That was his ticket. I trust in God's mercy. I trust that he, that he can. Like St. Paul tells us, quoting the Psalms, he said, blessed is the man whose what? Sin is what? Forgiven. And whose iniquity is covered. Blessed is the man whom God does not impute, does not count iniquity. Blessed is the man whom God does not count iniquity and in whom 
there's no deceit. What does deceit have to do with God forgiving? Because God doesn't accept deceit. And that's my third point I'm going to talk about later. Another beautiful psalm, Psalm 103. We hear about this. When, when David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Will all that's within me, let it bless the Lord. And then he goes to say this in verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so is great is His mercy toward us. And toward those who, walk, who fear Him. Those who fear Him. As the east is far from the west, the Lord pities us as a father pities his children. God has pity on us. So let's trust in His mercy and loving kindness. And also, one of my beautiful verses, Lamentation 21 to 23 in Jeremiah, when things got really bad, Jeremiah says, I remind myself of these things. Therefore, I go on. I come back to God. Is what? The mercies of the Lord are renewed every morning. Every morning, God renews His mercy for us. A new account of mercy is given to us. God renews His mercy every morning. And His loving kindness never fails. You cannot trust in God's mercy and it fails. You can't. So we have to remind ourselves of God's mercy. And trust in it. Come with assurance. I trust in your mercy. Your mercy is like an ocean and my sin is like a drop. Where would the drop go in the ocean, Lord? Your mercy will cover over my sins. You have to have this attitude. You have to have this attitude and trust in God's mercy. And you can look at your sin and say, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. For when I fall, I shall rise by the grace of God. By God's grace, I shall rise. I can tell God also, Lord, you said to forgive, for me to forgive my brother 77 times. It's a big number. 77 times a day. So Lord, if you ask me to forgive... 77 times. How many times will you forgive me? 700, 700 times? You're talking to God. So you're trusting in His mercy and love that He's able to forgive because He's merciful. The last thing I want to talk about was repentance. Stay away from fake spirituality. Stay away from fake spirituality. Attending the church when your mind and heart is far away from the altar of God is not going to get you anywhere. Attending the church when your mind and heart is away from God is not going to get you anywhere. Attending a church and taking communion when your heart is full of rage and anger and resentment and all that devilish stuff is not going to get you anywhere. I'm telling you, and I told you many times, we always say, I'm going to stand here and say, let us pray. And then what does the deacon say? Stand up for prayer. Hopefully they say. Stand up for prayer. Okay, so when does a point I cannot dare to say, let us pray? When a point I can say, let us not pray? Can you imagine? When a point I will say, let us not pray? No shliel today. When? If you remember that you have someone in your heart against someone, leave everything and run out. Make up with them and come back. So when do we not pray? God doesn't accept our prayer when we have stuff in our hearts. He doesn't. He said it. God is not lying. God is not lying. St. John Chrysostom tells us also, Abuna, the priest in the liturgy, he says, where is your heart? Or lift up your hearts. 
We all answer and say, we have done with the Lord. And St. John Chrysostom asks the question, word for word. Would you not be blushed and ashamed on the last day? When Christ will tell you, you were lying in my own house. Were your heart with me when you answered? Were it? Were your heart with you? Were your heart with me when the priest asked you, lift up your heart and said, we have with the Lord? said, my brethren, let us be truthful and not liars to the Lord. Let us truly lift our hearts and minds and have with the Lord. That way we can say, yes, Lord, we were truthful when the priest asked us to lift up our hearts and we said, we have come with the Lord. Another thing to stay away from fake spirituality, fasting is good. Donations is good. Acting and helping people in need is good, but that's not enough. If I'm doing it to just feel good, to cover the other things that I do, and I feel like I'm just doing it to kind of anesthetize my conscience, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to God. It's fake. Genuine, loving service and love and donation in true repentance is good. But doing it as if I'm just creating the image within myself that I'm okay. Is that good? The, the, the tax collector and the publican. The publican, think about it with me, please. And I want you to pay attention. Let's look at the publican from an objective sense. Was he a bad guy? No, he was an amazing guy. This guy was a publican. He was a Pharisee, I'm sorry. The Pharisee. The Pharisee was a Pharisee, so he kept the law. He knew, if you ask him, what does Jeremiah 3.21 say? He would say the verse I just said word for word. Better than me. He knows it. He asked him what the Psalm 103 says. Blessed is a man whom the Lord does not count iniquity. Beautiful. Do you fast twice a week? Yeah, he fasted, so to speak, every Wednesday and Friday. He did. He kept it. He fasted 40 days. He fasted until sunset. Did he give money? Oh yeah. Whatever he does, 10% goes to the church. Wow, what an amazing person. But my beloved, despite all this, he was not accepted. He was not accepted because all this was fake. Not fake that he, he was trying to be fake. It was fake because it was coming from a heart that makes him feel that way about himself. It was not coming from a heart that's humble and submissive in front of God. I am giving because I'm the one who's living in God's graces and mercy. Therefore, I am giving out of love and out of that I owe God. Not that I'm giving God something. Not that I'm giving God something. And also his other problem was he used another human being as a measuring stick. You know, he used to measure how big he is, comparing himself to another human being. And that's a mistake that we always do. We look around, say, you know what, I'm not that bad. I'm okay. I'm better than this dude. I you know, definitely am better than him. And we think like that. And God already condemned that million times. The only person that we can compare ourselves to is whom? Christ. That's why Peter got on his knees and said, Have mercy on me, O God, I'm sinful. Leave me. Depart from my ship. When we compare ourselves to Christ, the natural reaction is knees down, have mercy, forgive me. When we compare ourselves to each other, the next thing is sin and sin and sin and sin and we get lost. We cannot compare ourselves to anyone but to Christ. Christ is a measuring stick that we have to compare ourselves to. May God grant us
true repentance and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.